All right, so today we're going to be talking about when and how to fight. This is something that I've realized that Christians have kind of forgotten how to do. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm going to go through some of those reasons today. And I'm also planning on going through the general argument of, but I thought we're only supposed to be peacekeepers, right? I thought Christians were only supposed to be peaceful people. I thought we're just, we're not supposed to be strifes, strife stirrers and, and troublemakers and all those different kinds of things. Now, there are very specific warnings in the Bible about not having a disposition of a troublemaker. That's true, but I think we've gone too far. So let's pray, and then we're going to get started for today. Father, thank you so much that you're good and that you teach us according to the power of your word. I pray that we would submit to your word today and that you would help us to honor you in these times. Lord, as we learn more about how to live Christianly, I pray that it would be you that teaches us by the power of your word, that you would instill your words deep into our heart and that they would come out of our fingertips for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Now, this is something, and if you've been a part of, if you were a part of our men's Bible study on Thursdays, whenever we had that going on, you, you're a little familiar with this. This is something that I've actually, I've been working on for a while. Um, something I've been thinking about for a while, and I've been trying to articulate better and better and, and work out more and more as we've moved through time. Um, but at our Wednesday, no, Thursday morning men's studies, when we were still doing that, um, it was right around the time that Roe v. Wade flipped. So what is that, about a year and a half ago? I think it was about a year and a half ago. And I was talking to the guys at the study, and I had come under the conviction from you know the Bible and from other sound Christian teachers that the church had been way too quiet about way too many things for way too long. And that was largely what led us into the Roe v. Wade situation in the first place, was our, our apathy, our docility, our silence on those things. And so I let the guys know, um, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I think I said something along the lines of, hey guys, you're probably going to see me begin to play a bit more aggressively in public spheres, whether that would be in social platforms or um, whenever I'm invited to go pray at places or whenever I have meetings with different folks. Um, and I told him, I was like, I think and I've become more and more convinced since then, but I think that Christians are called to fight a little bit, um, to be scrappy, okay? And I think that we've abdicated from that for a long time, and we've put ourselves into situations where the only way that we know how to fight is to play defense. <coughs> this is also why I hate the, the political term conservative, right? Because conservatives conserve, they don't advance. And so Christians are supposed to advance by our disposition, which in order to advance means occasionally you don't just play defense, you do what? You go on offense, right? You have to say, this is what's true, this is not true, we're moving forward in this direction. And it's important, I think, for Christians to be able to hold that skill and tension. But what's the problem whenever you're first learning to fight? You got anybody in here ever take karate or like jujitsu or anything like that before? Or maybe y'all just fought in bars? I don't know. You know, maybe that's a maybe that's a thing too. But when you're first learning how to fight, what happens? You get beat up, right? Somebody gets you in the nose, okay? You you swing too hard and you fall over. You know, you lose sometimes. And I told all the guys that too. I was like, listen, uh, I'm about to start fighting because I need to practice what I'm I think I'm learning here. And there's a chance that you're going to see me lose a little on the way. Um, and I think we all should fight to a degree. But whenever we're learning to fight, that also means that you're, you're going to lose sometimes because you're learning how to throw a punch. 
right? You're learning how to keep your hands up. I, my son, uh, we got him some gloves and we hung a boxing bag. I don't know why we did this, but we hung like a hundred pound boxing bag. Oh, cause it was free. That's why for my son, a hundred pound bag in the, in the shop. So like he hits it and it just sits there. It doesn't move at all. Um, and I was trying to teach him to keep his hands up the other day. And so I was swatting him whenever he put his hands down to try and show up. See, you're not covered. So your hands are down so you can't cover. One time I swatted him. He looked at me. He's like, why'd you hit me? He was like distraught over the whole. You hit me. He was shocked about it. And I was like, yes, I'm trying to teach you how to fight. You got to cover your face and get ready. When your face not covered, you get hit in the face. That's how it goes. And so the same principles apply here to Christians. I think we need to learn how to fight again. Okay. Straight up. Now, I'm not just talking about physical fights here. Obviously, I'm using this as a rhetorical device, um, and I'm talking about getting punched in the face as a rhetorical device, although there are times when Christians are called to physically fight, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But there, I'm talking about the philosophy of fighting, the philosophy of engagement, when to be aggressive and when to be defensive, when to go on offense and when to, when to roll back a little bit. Are you all following with me here? There is a right time and a wrong time to do it. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And so that's what I hope to kind of be instilling to us a little bit. Now, the Bible gives us plenty of examples of Christians who fought. Can you think of any? David. What did David do? He killed Goliath. He killed a lot of people. <laughs> like he was a man of war. That's why the Bible says that God did not allow David to build the temple. Because he had blood on his hands because he was a man of war. David had so much war on his hands that he wasn't even allowed to do that. Now, if we're thinking in terms of that, David also killed some people unjustly, right? That's right. Like he did. But he was, he was a man who was known to fight. Who else is somebody who is known to fight in the Bible? Can you think of anybody else? Samson. Good. Who else? Moses. Moses fought a little bit, you know, questionably before he saw the burning bush, right? But he also wasn't scared of conflict. Like he, several times Moses is like, God, why did you even give me these people? Remember that? <laughs> like, God, you know, Moses, Moses fought to a degree. That's true. Can you think of any New Testament people that fought that were scrappy? Paul? And I was just reading... Yeah, well, and I'm thinking of when he was Paul, too. Like, Paul wrote some letters that made me feel bad, right? If you go read, like, I just finished, our Bible reading plan just finished 1 Corinthians, I think. And Paul's like, he, Paul wraps the letter up by saying, I'll tell you the rest when I get there. Oh, gosh. Like, that sits a certain way with you when you hear that. He just got through. If you know about the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul's going in on them just about the whole time. And then at the tail end of it, he says, and I'll finish this when I get home. Like, that's like, oh, man, that's a nervous moment right there for sure. So Paul was not afraid of a scrap. Paul even fought with who? Another apostle. Do you remember which one it was? Peter. Which, what, did, what did Paul say to Peter? About what? Who's talking? Peter. Oh, Peter's talking about Peter. Okay, good. Yeah, about, about how Peter was refusing to eat with the Gentiles. And Paul goes as far to say, I opposed him to his face. Like, them's fighting words, in other words, right? Like, there's conflict there. Can you think about any other times in the Bible when we see people who were, who were what we consider fighters or fighting or who were not afraid of a fight? What about Jesus? 
Jesus like swam in conflict a lot of his ministry. Can you think of a few high points of Jesus' ministry in which he engaged in conflict, in which he fought? <laughs> and everybody ran away from him when he flipped tables. Like, that should be noted. That's a, that's a man's man. There's a dude with a whip in the temple. There's probably hundreds of people in that room, okay? And Jesus shows up with his whip, starts flipping tables. Nobody tries to stop him. Everybody's like, no, we're good. We're out of here. We're good. That's fine. No, we're leaving. He drove them from the temple. That's a man's man. Can you think of any other times when Jesus was fighting with people? What about verbal conflicts? Like every time, right, Z? Like just about every time he opened his mouth. Whitewash tomb, brood of vipers. Them's fighting words. Um, what about, remember whenever he, you must eat of my flesh and drink my blood. You remember that? Jesus said that to his disciples and a lot of them left and they were set, they're like, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. And what does he say to him? He says, you want to leave too? That's what he said to him. You see, like there, there is this tone I mean, there's John the Baptist, who's not afraid of going in on Herod for sleeping with his brother's wife. These examples play out over and over again. There's Joshua, whose life was spent making war in the land of Canaan in order to capture it for the people of Israel. There is plenty, plenty of warrant in the Bible for us to be a people that know how to fight. The problem is that we read passages like, blessed are the peacemakers and we shouldn't stir up strife and we shouldn't, and we only hold on to those passages and we don't hold on to the whole scripture. But here's the, here's the deal. You can't just cite one passage and let that one passage be the only one you hold to. That's not the way Christians live. We must, as God's people, apply the entire Bible to our lives. That's it. Okay. And there is no conflict between the scriptures. The thing that we have to learn how to do is make sure that we are reconciling them wisely. That's it. Are y'all following with me so far? So I hope I've made this argument with you well. There's plenty of warrant in the scriptures for Christians to be people who are not scared of a fight. Now, that doesn't mean that we go looking for it all the time, okay? Because if you, if you think about in the, in the New Testament times, the warning about being someone who stirs up strife, that's talking about the disposition of a person in the same sense that we're talking about the disposition of a drunkard, right? The Bible talks about being a drunkard. You know what I'm talking about? Do not be given over to too much wine. Don't, don't be a drunkard. That's a disposition of a person. Like if somebody is on the bottle all the time, they've got a problem and this needs to be dealt with. Are y'all following with me here? The Bible does not condemn wine. The Bible does not condemn strong drink. It doesn't do that. But all things in what? What's the word? Moderation. There it is. And if you're on the bottle all the time, you're given to alcohol. It controls you. You're a drunkard. You've got a problem. If you're fighting all the time, same thing probably applies, right? You're given to be a strife stir. Now, I mean, what is a scenario in which it's okay to fight all the time? If you're a soldier. If you're a soldier at war, right? Like... Maybe you're in a war and that's why you're fighting all the time. That's totally possible. That's, that's an option that's out there. But we need to keep those categories in mind. All right. <clears throat> so today, when a Christian fights, when they enter into conflict, when they, stir the, when they stir the pot in the public sphere, at best, often people will think, now, is this really 
necessary? Did you have to say this? Did you have to, did you have to go in this way? Did you have to pray Psalm 2 at the mayor's inauguration? Like, did you have to do that? Okay, I think that would be one response to it. An, a worse response would be, somebody would be like, I think that was sinful for you to say that. I think that was sinful for you to enter into conflict. Here's the deal. What we're dealing with is a wisdom principle, okay? It is right and good for Christians to fight the right fights. What fights are right, what fights are wrong, how to fight those fights and how not to do it, those are wisdom principles. And that's what I'm gonna spend the next five or six weeks trying to get us down into our hearts here is to understand and recognize those wisdom principles and apply them correctly. Because here's the deal. If you see somebody else out there fighting and you attempt to judge their motives, that's sinful. Are you following with me here? The Bible talks about judging two different mechanisms, right? Judge not what? Lest ye be judged. That's a lot of people's favorite verses, isn't it? But the problem is that the context of that verse is that it's talking about the motives of a person, what's guiding them. Because the Bible also says, judge with what? Right judgment. So what's right judgment? I think I've got this figured out. I'm still working on it, but I think I've got it figured out. Right judgment is based on the actions of a person. Unright judgment, unrighteous judgment, is where you're trying to figure out the why without engaging with them directly. You see the difference there? Because you can ascribe all kinds of motives to a person that might not be their motives and therefore you distrust them. But you're only distrusting them because you've given them motives that might not be in their heart. Are y'all following with me so far? Like, this guy's fighting because he is a jerk. Okay, well, you've ascribed a motive, <laughs> right? That might not be true. This guy's fighting because he doesn't like this person that he's fighting with. That's why he keeps going after him. Okay, you've described, you've described a motive. Maybe it's right. Maybe you've got evidence. That's not just describing a motive. That could be judging with right judgment. But are y'all following with me so far? There's a, there's a distinction to be made here. Now, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that. I want to go through. The question that we're trying to deal with, the wisdom principle that we're trying to learn, is how do we know when we should engage and when we should run away? So I want to, I want to define my terms a little more carefully. When I say fight, do I mean a physical altercation? Fast review. Do I mean a physical altercation? Robin is my favorite answer so far. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not, right? But maybe, right? Like uh, you have a, a guy who busts into your house in the middle of the night and he's trying to rob it and he's got a gun with him and he puts your family in danger. Is that a right, just cause for you to enter into a physical com confrontation? Heck yes, it is. That is a just, that's an opportunity for the just use of lethal force and you should employ such tactics if you know how to do it. Or maybe not. The question that we deal with is we want to know when to fight, when to engage, and when to run away. And I'm not just talking about physical altercations. It could include those things, but I'm going to put it under a larger category, which is conflict. Christians today. Amen. That guy. He's singing back there. Like, oh! I'm waiting for like, praise God from all whom all blessings flow to just like bust out of his mouth back there. So Christians today are conflict averse. Do y'all know what I mean whenever I say that? I mean, I mean we, we avoid conflict. We avoid conflict like, like the plague. 
And this is seen not just in Christian communities, but this is seen in the community as a, by and large as a whole. So, for example, um, you ever been at the supermarket before and, uh, and there's a scene that begins to occur? Do you all know what I mean by a scene? Maybe some kid starts losing their mind or you got a married couple that just decides that they're going to have the divorce making argument right there in the middle of the store. You know, you know what I mean? Or you've got a teenager and a mom who have just decided this is it. We're going to war right now in public. Okay. Here's what I mean by being conflict averse as a society as a whole. What do we do whenever we see that happen? We take the long way around, right? Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. Okay? Maybe we're sitting there thinking, this is not any of my business. I don't, I don't want to deal with this. We are conflict averse, largely as a people. And this has gotten to us inside of the context of the local church as well. Um, let's think about it. what would be another example of a scenario where we're conflict averse. Um, Thanksgiving? When you got all kinds of fun worldviews gathered around the same table. Like some of y'all, some of y'all strategize as a family before big family gatherings, don't you? Okay, we're not talking about this and we're not talking about this or that. And that way nobody kills each other, right? See, that's conflict averse. And Jesus wasn't that way. And Paul definitely wasn't that way. And John the Baptist wasn't that way. They were like, this is what's true. Figure it out. But see, do you see what I'm talking about? Our general disposition as humans is to avoid conflict like the plague, except when? When do we, when do we pop off? When do we enter into conflict? When do we decide it's worth it now to go in? Say that again, see? And then we go in. But see, that's not right. Now, why, why? That's it, right? Like, so we avoid conflict, avoid conflict, avoid conflict, avoid conflict until we get mad. And then we're like, you know what? You're deserving this now. And then we go in on people. What's the problem with that? Simple. You send your anger. It's simple. You send your anger. What'd you say, Sam? It's wrathful. Very good. You're just bringing more frustration in. Let, I'm looking for a specific word. We've been talking about it for weeks. Dave? That's okay. Go ahead. It's about yourself. Selfish. Right? It's like, oh, you've done this to me. That's right. Yeah, that could be a reason for sure. But what I'm really going after here is you've lost self-control. You get it? And that is the worst way to fight when you lose self-control now you've lost all restraint you've lost the ability to think clearly you've lost the proper way to have conversations you are now you're just a haymaker you know what i'm talking about you ever watch a fight well maybe some of y'all have watched a fight but whenever whenever i was young okay whenever i was young i don't remember who i heard this from i think it was somebody in the locker room i can't remember but if the principle applies, okay? Whenever I was young, somebody told me, if you want to win a fight, punch them in the nose. You ever heard that expression before? But it's true, isn't it, Peyton? If you want to win a fight, punch them in the nose. Why? 
Because it hurts. And then as soon as you get punched in the nose, it hurts so bad that the guy who you hit, they're having trouble seeing, and they're just going to start doing this. They're not covering their body up anymore. They're not ready. They're swinging wild haymakers. And what does that mean? You punch them in the nose. They can't protect rightly. They can't see right. They're swinging wild. And then you go in with the body blows. Fight's over. Right? See, that's what we do, though. We avoid conflict. We avoid conflict. We avoid conflict until they land it right on our face. And then we say, you know what? And then the fight's over. We lose. What I'm arguing for is a disposition in Christians of right conflict, okay? Of right fight, right time, right (laughs) conflict. When you're in control of your wits, when you're in control of yourself, you make the rules of engagement. You play the game. Let them lose control of themselves. Sweet! Now you've got more opportunity. And at the very least, the person you're arguing with looks foolish. And now you might have some more opportunity later on to push the kingdom back farther, push the kingdom out farther for Jesus. Are you all following me here? Our disposition to avoid conflict is the problem. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, I'm not saying be one of those strife stirrers, seek conflict, because the New Testament makes very explicit warnings against that. But I am saying it's fine to speak truth in a <coughs> loving way in perpetuum, okay? That all the time. To just have a disposition of this is what's true. Uh, one of the cool things, so um, we've been had the opportunity to kind of hang out with uh, some of the guys from Christchurch in Idaho for the last couple of weeks, and I've spent more time with, like, Toby, and I just met a guy named Keith Darrell, who's super cool. He does campus preaching. He's coming for tactics. I can't wait for y'all to meet him. But one of the cool things that I've appreciated about Toby specifically Pastor Toby Sumter, uh, is he says things like, we, we just say what's true. And they do, around their buddies. Um, one, he gave me an example one time, sometime uh, a while back, somebody's wife came to like a Christmas party in a dress that was way, way too low cut. And the question was not, I hope they deal with it. The question was, who's going to talk to the husband? And then they played a game, they're like, not it. <laughs> Somebody had to go. But that was the disposition. They are not afraid of truth. They are not afraid of of the truth reigning in all of life at all times. This is what I'm talking about. We, Christians, especially in the Deep South, where we're all polite people, okay, we are conflict-averse, and we have to adjust that. That doesn't mean that we swing all the way back, although I recognize that this does mean typically that now the pendulum swings too far the other way and we have to course correct again. That's okay, What I'm saying is, what if we were just truth tellers rather than being afraid of conflict at all times and we engage in the truth rightly with our wits about us (coughs) rather than waiting until somebody punched us in the nose and we couldn't fight correctly anymore? Are you all following with me? Okay, do you all have questions so far? Peyton has questions? What? So in this hypothetical situation that doesn't exist in real life, just hypothetical. So what do you do when you're when you're a, a conflict avoider married to a strife stir? How does this work out? I would say the Lord just made this couple on purpose. That's what I would say. He just he just knit these hearts together. 
so that this hypothetical couple that doesn't exist in real life is there to help each other all along the way. All the way. Amen. Amen. Uh, that hypothetical couple that does not exist in real life can't just call me, though, if they have questions. <laughs> Anytime. Any other questions? Any other questions about this? Y'all get the point I'm trying to make here? Is, am I missing anything? Y'all, y'all following me? Okay. Okay, then I'm going to keep going. And y'all going to get lost. That's okay. We're going to roll on through this. All right. So we avoid conflicts because it makes us uncomfortable until we can't control ourselves anymore. And then we punch, we go for the nose, and then we miss and we wind up getting ourselves beat up all over and over again. We have been quiet, polite, non-engaging for far too long. And just recently, I'd say within the last three years, the bad guys have just been punching us in the nose over and over and over again. And we've been lashing out instead of just even keel speaking what's true about God's word and not being afraid of the conflict that might ensue. That's the argument I'm trying to make here. Even keel, this is what the Lord says, therefore I trust him. And that does mean that there will be a degree of conflict in your life probably most of the time, but that's okay. We've run from it our whole life and we gotta be able to figure these things out. There's a right way to wield truth and a wrong way to wield truth. We've given this illustration a lot. There's the scalpel, right? To cut the cancer out. And there's the hammer to beat somebody over the head with it, okay? We wanna be the scalpel. We wanna be the, the even keel, calm, precise, consistent application of truth. Not the sinner, not, not, you know, we're, we want to, we want to be careful and calculate. Now, sometimes the hammer comes out. That's true. In a non-sinful way. That's true too. I have more fun quotes for you to share with you on that, but we'll get there later. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 and 27 says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and what? Self-control. Oh, I left gentleness out. My bad. My bad. Gentleness is in there too. But right? So if self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, if the Bible tells us in our anger to not sin, then that means we don't lash out. That's not us. And if you start to feel like your emotions are taking control of you in a situation where you've entered into conflict, my best piece of advice for you is if you can't get out, do the best to control yourself you possibly can or just get out. Get out because you're probably going to lose effectiveness. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to get out. I suppose that's possible. But I would advise you, if you can run, to run. The very idea of us losing control is a problem that gives a ton of opportunity to the devil. And the devil has, has run this play on us for the last 50 years, I would argue. He has, he has shamed us into silence. He has made us love our, our personal comfort more than entering into conflict. We never say anything that could start a conflict or disrupt our personal peace. And then, since we are out of practice, he keeps punching us in the nose. He provokes an emotional response from us. And then we look like fools, Whenever we're entering into some realm of conversation or debate with somebody at the family reunion or somewhere in the social spheres or whatever, we need to be God's people, even keel, tempered in our response and ready to go in whenever the time is appropriate with the correct temperament. Right? Okay, great. So how do we do this? (laughs) How do we know when and how to engage? How do we know when and how to fight? All right. Here's how. This is a wisdom principle. So what do we need? 
Wisdom, there it is. Amen, we got it. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to know the, the right... See, wisdom, by definition, is the right way to apply what we're learning from the Lord. Do you follow me here? That's what wisdom is. And, and if you want wisdom, I mean, Proverbs talks about it at length, and it's important for us to be getting these different pieces. We are not wise. Part of our problem is that we don't know what wisdom is, though. When we, when we hear the word wisdom... For many of us, the first thing that comes into our mind is like this old man sitting on top of a mountain with a long beard, I don't know, muttering hum shamalakas and giving sage advice out from time to time with a long peace pipe. You know, that's the thing that we picture in our minds. It's this weird, ethereal picture of wisdom. And that's not what it is. Wisdom is Bible. Wisdom is attainable through the study of the scriptures. God says the fear of the Lord is what? Beginning of wisdom. If you want wisdom, go to the scriptures, search and mine and drag them out. The wisdom is attainable. You can get it. It's not this weird ethereal thing. And what I'm saying when I mean wisdom is the right way to apply what we know from the Bible rightly. The nitty gritty details, the how. And laying a proper course of action, a proper response. <clears throat> and without wisdom, you don't know when it's time to fight or when it's time to hang back. Without wisdom, you can't discern the times, which is why we're in the situation that we're in today, why the culture's running largely away from Jesus faster and faster, it seems, every day, because the church hasn't done its job faithfully proclaiming what is true. One purpose of the law of God is to act like a tutor, okay? Paul makes this very clear in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. In other words, part of the purpose of the law of God is to teach Christ and to restrain evil, okay? That's the purpose of a, of a, of a tutor. It acts as a, a restraint on evil and it leads towards Jesus. And if we're not teaching what biblical morality really is, then it's no surprise that the evil in the world around us has not, has, has not been restrained. Are you following with me here? If we're not willing to proclaim what is true, because if it's true, it's true all the way down, then it's not a shock that blue-haired women are trying to chop off the genitals of children today. Like, this is not, we're not surprised by this. It makes total sense. And it's because the world has been absent of God's truth for far too long. And we haven't proclaimed what is true because we are simple, not wise. We didn't even realize what, what we were supposed to be saying. So, why aren't we wise? Why do you think? Lack of experience, lack of Bible. What else? Why aren't we wise? Because we think we are. Oh, that's good. We're not wise because we are proud. There's another way that we could say it, right? We, we think we've got it together because that's, we don't ask God for wisdom because God's like, if you ask me, then I'll give it to you. If you search, then you'll find. Draw to me and I'll draw near to you. All those promises are throughout the scriptures. So for us to not believe those promises means that we think we've got it figured out apart from him, right? We're, we're too proud to pursue him. And that's what makes us, what? Not wise, but fools. That's what the Bible's words are. And if we're fools, no wonder we keep getting punched in the nose and swinging wild haymakers. You know what I'm saying? Like all those things fit together. We're half cocked, we're proud, and we're not measured and controlled in our responses. So we need to be wise, not fools. Y'all go to James chapter one. James chapter one. We're going to read verses two through five. 
And then I'm out of time again. God, how's that keep happening? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Who wants to read it? Somebody read that for me. Nice and loud. Stop right there. So we see trials, difficulties, adversity. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Is what? It's good for you. He says trials hit, adversity hits. It's good for you. It changes you. In other words, conflict, conflict is good for you. Stop avoiding it. It's there. Okay? There's nothing you can do about it. Now, that does, this does not mean that now you run up to everybody else and says, you're sitting because you're avoiding conflict. That's not who I'm talking to talking to you in the seat in the room right now, right? I'm saying you stop avoiding it. Do what the Lord has called you to do. Obey him first and foremost. Conflict is good for you. It helps to grow you to deal with it rightly. Okay, got it. Thanks, James. Well, how do I deal with it rightly? Sam, keep going. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Boom, the two things are related. You saw that? (laughs) He's like, we need to learn how to get through conflict. How do we get through conflict? Ask God for wisdom. It's right there. It's right there. The conclusion is unmistakable. Let him ask God. Keep going, Sam. Amen. So James 1, 2 through 5, clear picture. God, I need wisdom. Help me. And where do we pursue him in this? Well, I just told you. We pursue him in his scriptures in order to get that wisdom from him. And we ask him for it. And the Bible makes it clear that he will give it to us. Now, we said it earlier. Where does that first dose of wisdom hit from? What's the first step in acquiring wisdom? Well, asking God, yes. But the Proverbs make a very specific statement. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. That's right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, jump to Exodus chapter 20 real quick. Go to Exodus 20, and I'm going to read it. It's Exodus 20, verses 18 through 20. Because this fear dynamic is really interesting. Do I have time? We're going to review this tomorrow because we've really got to make sure that we get this down deep in our hearts. So Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. This is going to put the fear of God in the right categories for you. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 18, it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off and they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God to speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, all right, pay attention, pay attention close, do not fear. Heard it? Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you so that the fear of him may be before you. Wait, you saw what just happened? He said, don't be afraid because God's coming to put the right fear in you. That's weird, right? That's what he just said. He says, do not fear. 
because God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that what? That you may not sin. You see that? Okay, so here's this dynamic. Moses is saying he's not here to kill you. In other words, God's not here to kill you. He's here to help you, but he's here to do it by putting your fears in order. And in this, you and I have the same assurance. See, Moses here is an amazing Jesus figure. Amazing. Because what he's saying is, don't be afraid of God. He's not here to kill you. He's here to help you by making you have your fears in the proper order. This is exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus empowers us to no longer be afraid of being killed by God on the spot because he was killed, because he died for us, that we may draw near to him. And have you read Revelation? When you draw near to God, right? It's a scary place to be. There's this massive throne. Everybody's worshiping around him. There's thunder and lightning underneath his seat. There's the sea out in front of him. Like he can see forever. God is scary. But because of Christ, we don't have to be afraid of getting close to him and helping to get our fears in the proper order. Do you see what I'm getting at here? That's what Moses is saying. This is a beautiful thing. The more you go to God, the more you know God, the more you have a right fear of God, and the more you trust his ways and are held by him. Draw near to God, and he draws near to you, in other words. And he's going to teach you the right order of your life. You want wisdom to be able to handle these things correctly? You have got to pursue the Lord. And as you pursue the Lord... What's he going to do? He is going to make the sin in your life white hot. Right? Isn't that mostly the reason that we avoid having close fellowship with God? I mean, come on, be real with me here for just a second. Whenever we pursue the Lord directly, when we read his word, when we're trying to draw close to him, what does he do to the sin in our life? It's white hot. It burns, right? Until we do what? Confess and repent, and are restored restored to joyful communion with Christ. This is how it works. He's saying, come over here. I'm going to burn your sin away. You're going to confess it. You're going to get your fears put in the right order. You're going to walk in wisdom and trust me all your days, and I'm going to help you. That's it. So you want to learn how to fight? First thing you're fighting is yourself. Confess, repent, walk in the ways of the Lord. And follow him all your days. All right, so real quick, real quick review. Y'all got questions? Actually, before I do a real quick review, y'all got questions? I hate now I feel like I've rushed you. And those of you that have questions, you're scared to ask them because you sense that I'm in a hurry. And I, I, I'm not in a hurry. I want to answer all your questions and help you, even if that means we go five minutes late. Do y'all have questions? Okay. Real fast review. First, don't avoid conflict. Get used to it. Amen? Step one, do not be conflict averse. Be fine with conflict. Don't hunt for it. I don't think that's our problem right now. I think we're conflict averse. Second, don't only engage when you're provoked. <laughs> right? Don't res- if somebody punches you in the nose, I think the smartest thing you could do is just be like, I'm going to go over here. And then we'll talk later. I mean, maybe not literally. If they literally punch you in the nose, then, you know, you're on your own. Jesus's church needs to be able to take a punch in the face and keep her composure. That's what Jesus has called us to do, which probably means we need to get punched in the face more often. Amen. That's probably what it means. 
Listen, let me tell you something. Whenever you start practicing this, the Lord's going to put some trials in your life that are going to help you. Lord, help me be more self-controlled. Pow! There's a punch in the nose. Right? That's it. God, I want more self-control. How's God going to give you self-control? By putting you in situations that push you to the edge. That's how it works. He's going to send you adversity and difficulty and trial in your lives to bring you into those places. He's going to make sure that you're punched in the nose in a good way and that your skin is made thicker by God's grace. And when in conflict, we need wisdom to know when to, when to fight and when to have the right fear of God and when to have his wisdom applied correctly. Fear of the Lord will bring us to read and study and depend on God and his word so that we can apply it with wisdom and know how to follow him and fight well. More on this next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're good. I pray that we would be faithful to fight your fights when you call us to do so and that we would learn your wisdom principles to apply these things well for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. See you all in a couple minutes.